the mantra I've always stuck to is like, you don't sell a product just to sell a product. Listen to the customer, find out what they want, see if we've got anything that fits the bill. And if we haven't, just say, well, we haven't got anything really, I think that's going to do the trick with what you're asking. And then let us know and let's see what we can make. Welcome to Screw It, Just Do It, the number one ranked entrepreneurship podcast for business owners, entrepreneurs, and those aspiring to be so. The aim of this show is to showcase the world's most inspiring and interesting people who've decided to screw it, just do it. We offer 20% inspiration and 80% education, giving you the tools and advice to start, grow, and scale a successful business. I'm your host, Alex Chisnell, fellow entrepreneur, podcast agency owner with a number one podcast and startup advisor to global startup generator and early stage VC, Antler. Each week, I release two episodes, a Q&A every Wednesday with one of the world's most inspiring figures, plus a solo episode every Saturday where I cover the challenges that all of us are facing as entrepreneurs. If you enjoy listening to this podcast and you've ever thought of hosting your own show, then I've now put together a bunch of different options for you. Whether you are a solopreneur or a big brand and you both want to have your own podcast, I've now got a course called Ultimate Podcast Mastery. I've got coaching programs, Alex's Inner Circle, and I've got an agency, Podpreneur, that creates done-for-you podcasts. So if you'd like to create, launch, and grow your own show with no experience, no knowledge, and no tech skills, then simply go to ultimatepodcastmastery.com. That's ultimatepodcastmastery.com. I've got Ro with me. Now, um, she is one of the six co-founders of cruelty-free cosmetics brand Lush, and she's going to share the story, um, how they went from a single shop on Pool High Street to over 900 retail outlets worldwide and a billion dollars in turnover. And I believe this year, 25 years old. Am I right? Yeah, we were 25. I did a party in a box. <laughs> so, <laughs> and around and then we all opened them on a google hangout and played games it's amazing what you can do in a box we're doing the christmas in a box this year as well oh, are you brilliant uh, wow well yeah congratulations on 25 years um how, how how do you go from i mean how long have you got how do you go from one shop to 900 and a billion dollar turnover <laughs> it's a lovely organic growth and that's what i would recommend to anybody it's like don't be in a rush to make something huge because um, you haven't got time to then work out all the complexities that's within a business. And so doing it step by step is uh, definitely the way to do it. Nice. Um, and when you were you know, a young girl or a teenager growing up, can you recall what you wanted out of life then, what you, you pictured life to be? Yeah, I wanted to be a princess. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So, yeah, I, I don't know what I wanted. I wanted to travel. I, I used to love traveling, even if it was only across the field to the woods at the back. Um, I just wanted excitement, I think. And, and I definitely have that in spades. So, yeah, life is never boring. It's always very interesting. And, and I used to make up 
I used to ask people for their bits of makeup and I used to make perfume from um, bluebells in the woods and things like that. So I suppose it was inevitable. I'd end up going where I did. Um, and I became a beauty therapist. I can remember going to a careers officer and I probably had colored hair at the time then as well. And I definitely had colored tights and all my nails would have been different colors and things. And he took one look at me and he said, why don't you be a beauty therapist? And I said, well, I don't know what that is. And he explained it to me. And I went, well, is that a proper job? I was like, oh, well, if that's a proper job, I could do that. And luckily I had enough qualifications to get into college. And so that's where it started. And then 20, I know 40 years ago next year, actually, I came down to Paul to work with Mark and Mo and Liz and been there ever since. Wow. Where were you before then? Where were you based before, before you moved here? Up up in Northamptonshire. Okay. My my best friend is just moving over from Dubai and moving to Northamptonshire for the first time. So... Oh, wow. They're going to notice the temperature difference. <laughs> <laughs> they are indeed. The, the, the villages are much prettier. Yeah. And do you ever, um, so 25 years, obviously a landmark, which you, you probably would have celebrated in, in different circumstances in, in, in any other year. Um, but is it giving you that time to reflect back and take stock, you know, maybe give yourselves a, a, a pat on the back or w- whatever you decided to do, have a party in a box? <laughs> we're not very good at patting ourselves on the back. Um, we're very mindful of pride goes before a fall. Uh, so, you know, it's always a bit sort of like, let's just keep looking forward, keep looking forward. And I think that what this has allowed us to do is actually look backward as well, which is something that we're, we're not that's not our strongest point, I don't think. We do learn from our lessons, but we don't often take stock of where we are now because we're always moving forward. And this actually has, we've had to take stock of where we are now. Yeah. Because obviously business just completely closed down. So luckily we had mail order. Um, so that was, but even that closed down for a little bit. So, yeah. well, we had to because you have to realign everything um so that you you're covid safe so everybody yeah. feels safe to come in and that there's spacing between them we have everything in place to make sure that you know everywhere people are going to work was as safe as possible that obviously has to go all the way through the way we manufacture right the way to packing the parcels so yeah we closed down for about three or four weeks because wow. we couldn't have you know we couldn't have dealt with all the orders coming in yeah yeah in a safe environment and safety obviously has to come first and how long had you had mail order up up to this point then before? Oh, we've always had mail order because the business, the business yeah. was a mail order business, cosmetics to yeah. So That's yeah, right. we were yeah we were right on with mail order right from the very start. Yeah, yeah. I was interested. A friend friend of mine's a director at um, at Primark, and I just always thought that they literally don't have anything other than physical shops. And I was like, you know, when are you going to be launching your online business? And he's like, we're not. And I'm like, really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Still I just thought, still no, no, no. I think they've gone for you know multi, multi billion pound uh, refunding reinvestment rounds. But yeah, I mean we're second lockdown, aren't we? And you think if it happens again in in the new year or whatever, yeah, yeah. unbelievable. Um, but for you then, and in, in you and then the other founders, Mark, etc. When you when you did you know take stock of twenty five years, were, were there any um, particular highlights? That, that sprung to mind for you because it's that there must have been a hell of a lot <laughs> <laughs> I um <clears throat> I don't know I mean it's I think we celebrate our highlights all the way through 
I don't know. Not, 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 I mean, you know, having every shop's a highlight for us. Uh, you know, when we started opening the big stores, like the first one on Oxford Street and mm. then the, uh, the, the mega big one in Liverpool, taking that major step forward and then a big one in, in um, Tokyo as well. Yeah. So taking those steps forward was a big leap of faith. When, when you think about where we started, our first shot was in Pool High Street, which is the wrong end of the high street for a start off. And <laughs> quite small you know when yeah. location is everything that was not the best location but it, we owned the building so it was fine and then our first little shop in London was in Covent Garden and it was unit seven and it's tiny most people have bigger kitchens so it was you know going from there and then suddenly we're opening three floors on Oxford Street well not suddenly you know 20 years later we're opening three floors on Oxford Street and then I think we've got four or five floors in Liverpool so it's you know that was sort of like oh look at us <laughs> um you know there's yeah and every time you you invent a new product and you've got a patent on it the highlight where highlights go right down to people writing to us and saying your products have made such a difference to my skin or the way I sleep or my hair or anything like that to us that's the major highlight because actually we good because that's what we've set out to do is make a product for you that is actually going to do something it's not just about us making money out of it it's about making something that's effective. So if we've made something effective where and we've bought it and you've used it and it's made a difference to you, the highlights don't come bigger than that, really. Yeah, I, I remember chatting to um, Juliet Barrett, the co-founder of Grenade, who you know done incredibly well in the last decade, and um, she said to me, for her, it was being able to see her, her staff like buy their first car or put their first yeah. down payment on a mortgage. And I was like, wow, that, that's, a, that's a, a lovely way of looking at things, you know, rather than, yes, we could become the next billion dollar brand or something like that. But it, it's, it's that kind of human element yeah. to it. And it is, and, and it's really true because, you know, we feel very much like a family business. You know, we've all worked together so for 40 years and and then Mark and Mo's family are coming through the business as well. Now they're the next yeah. generation. So that's lovely. And so it's almost like there's two families and we're, then we have families within families. So you've got all sorts of family connections within. So we've, we've got marriages, we've got mums and daughters, dads and sons that, you know, we've got everything going on in mm. the business and, and that's really lovely. So highlights for us, you know, following on from grenades is sort of like when we knew that we could pay more than the living wage. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, and, and we stick to that. The different things that we did for maternity. Um, so the maternity and paternity cover is much longer. So it gives you a chance to, you know, really take that time to get to know your baby. And that's mm. the same for adoption as well. So it, it's, it is all of those, yeah, those real things that make you a real person. We all have our birthdays off as well. So if, if your birthday falls on a weekday, you get the day off. And it, it's, yeah, it's those little things when you can do that that makes everybody feel part of, of yeah. the family. Um, yeah, it, it makes for a much, yeah, much warmer feeling when you come to work. You want to come to work because exactly. you're appreciated. And I think hopefully... Mm. You know, you can't guarantee everything, but hopefully when they come to work, people are feeling appreciated a lot. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure they are. And I've got friends who work there and I know that I know that's true. Um, and, and I know that shop very well because both my daughters uh, had their birthdays, uh, had their birthdays in, in that shop. So and my youngest was only probably one of the last ones before 
lockdown because it was her birthday was February and we had it had it in there in February. So that's probably one of the last ones, uh, one of the last ones in there. But the staff are amazing, um, you know, really wonderful and super helpful and um, good. Oh, that's that's what I mean. The mantra I've always stuck to is like you don't sell a product just to sell a product. Listen to the customer, find out what they want, see if we've got anything that fits the bill. And if we haven't, just say, well, we haven't got anything really, I think, that's going to do the trick with what you're asking. And then let us know and let's see what we can make. You know, we're just launching um, the Afro hair care range because, you know, we knew that we didn't have, we had great products for for curly hair, but not necessarily for Afro hair. So that range is just launching. Um, And then, so we're, we're trying to be aware of, you know, having a product for every need really yeah. and so we're looking at what areas that's one of our our rules have a product mm-hmm. that we need and we we knew we didn't have products for mm-hmm. those needs. so yeah that that's just launching now and uh, that's been like two years in the making i saw that yeah because you got a little video a uh, video haven't you um yeah. yeah i saw that and what i liked was that they said again that you you haven't reacted and just rushed something out like a lot of other people no. have. You've literally taken your time and worked out exactly what people wanted, listened to them, Absolutely. and then delivered it. And we have Sarah, our hairdresser, and you know she's an expert on Afro hair, and and she's worked really hard working with um, the inventor, mostly Dan, I think, but working very hard with Dan to get exactly what she wanted from the product and that's important it's no good somebody with you know straight bleached hair creating a product for afro hair that's it's a nonsense isn't it you've got to have you've got to make sure that there's an essence and a reality in there Mm. it was the same with our makeup the makeup launches um at the end of the month as well i mean third time lucky but this time it's sort of again we've taken much more attention to yeah, we already have 40 shades of foundation, um, but there's much more attention to the actual shading as well, as well as packaging and making sure that we're, you know, packaging and non-packaging is a really big issue within Lush because we try and be really as environmental as we can be. But obviously packaging, if not dealt with in the right way after purchase, is is and can be very unenvironmental. The nice thing about the makeup is that the lipstick containers are metal so metal is always recycled mm-hmm. and it doesn't have any plastic components in it so the whole thing can be recycled it's based on the 1950s glamour push-up and also that the lipstick is sold as a refill so my point um when we created that when i had this idea was just to, like you can buy a lipstick from us you just peel the wax off it put the wax in your compost bin then put that lipstick into an old container that you've got an old lipstick container it'll just slot in and then that way you're giving that lipstick container another mm. life you don't have to buy ours i'm not bothered whether you buy ours or not but the point is that if you can reuse the lipstick container a billion of them every year are created so you can yeah. imagine how many of those are in landfill because mm. most of the time you can't do anything with them because they're mixed components so that's probably another interview when i go off on one about <laughs> <laughs> now i remember last time um talking last year and i think you, you just I remember seeing pictures in the press down here about it. i think you'd had some boats come in from portugal with like cork and yes. you're putting so i remember seeing them in the shop in Paul High Street, yeah. the packaging there, 
Um, yeah, it was a zero carbon yeah. delivery. It was incredible. Yeah. They sailed over. It's it is a sailing boat that does deliveries, and they they were delivering also olive oil to people, olives. They they'd got all sorts of things, but the thing for us was the cork pots for the shampoo bars, and of course that's the shampoo great. bar is like the best thing for reducing, and that saves three plastic bottles going into mm. landfill or recycling. And of course the thing with with um, with Britain especially, is that, you know, the recycling amount of plastic is only around 8 to 12%. So, yeah. yeah, I know. It's unbelievable, isn't it? I only, yeah. I only found that out recently when in chatting to somebody for a podcast episode and it's yeah. like every, everybody thinks it's like more than 50%, don't they, uh-huh. you know, or, or higher, yeah. No, it's really not. I mean, that's why we encourage people, please bring your pots back to us. We're going to put a new scheme in because up until now we've always said bring five in and we'll give you a free face mask and, the scheme's going to come in where you'll actually, you don't have to wait till five. You can, if you bring five in, you'll get your free face mask, but you can bring one in and get money off your next order. So when you, your basket, as it were. So, mm. yeah, we're just trying to encourage people to bring their pots back in because we will do something with them. If you yeah. stick with your recycling at home, it may or it may not go on to another life. And then, and then obviously for that to have the biggest impact, you need, the shops back open again for people to actually visit them and uh yeah 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 we, yeah. we are doing call and collect so um you can um send an order in online and and then you can collect it at the door so you know most of our managers are in and the shops are sort of manned as it were okay. and so you can place your order and then if you're in town you can walk past and pick them up so mm. we're still doing that. We're trying to offer every service possible because it's tough on everybody, isn't it? And maybe when things are happening like this, one of the nicest things you can do is have a lovely bath. And just- <laughs> Indeed, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you probably, I mean, again, maybe you can tell me, you know, the, the impact that's been on the business because you, you see, uh, you know, one of the positive effects of lockdown is that people seem to be spending more time on actually looking after themselves. and. Yes you know self-care you know you see, see a lot of that being kind to yourself um has that i mean obviously got you know kind of yin and yang haven't you on one side you've seen you know retail massively hit with a with a national lockdown but the other hand you know i've spoken to people like grenade and huel um who've seen you know huge increases in their online orders um have things been for you like as, as a business and also personally for yourself uh, well, we we have seen, I mean, because the shops have closed, mail order did pick up hugely. We, we've got like 400% more at the minute. So it's, it's smashing every forecast that we dared to make. Mm. Um, and I think surprising our bank as well. So it's sort of like every forecast that we were making, we're, we're now doing better than that. Um, so touch wood, that continues. So, yeah, that's been lovely. I mean... I mean, Mark and Mo went through bathing every day, they, and they're still doing it. They take a bath at four o'clock every day. So Mark worked through every single product. They've used every single product. So considering we've got about 600, I think. Wow. They've used all of them, and then everything was um, evaluated. And so we lost around 200 products. When Did we back online, we decided that there was at least 200 products there that actually – you know, they were all right, but they didn't have the wow or the effectiveness that we want our products to have. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, they've come out and now we're all working on creating sort of 
hero products, as it were. So, you know, the other thing is like creating a product for every need. So it's sort of like, well, have we got a product for every need? And to be number one in every category. So have we got a product that's, that's worthy of being number one in every category? And giving ourselves more time to develop those products as mm-hmm. we go along. So, yeah. Um, yeah, taking stock has been has been really great. I mean, for me, I get to walk on the beach much more um, in the summer months. I can manage it because it's light, and I can st- I can get up early enough to do my beach cleans, get back in, shower, breakfast, and then drive for an hour to work. Mm. Um, now I haven't got to do that. I've been able to stretch my walks out much later into the, um, you know, into the winter because I haven't got that hour's journey to work in the morning. So, yeah. So I'm I'm getting to do a lot more walking and beach cleaning than I yeah. normally do. You're gaining time, but that's 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 a lot. So that's nearly a third of your products, would you say, that you've? Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. And and what's the feedback been from from customers? Um, oh, well, there, there's always some favorite, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Of course. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. That was my favorite. <laughs> I know, and that's that's yeah. always. But we have things like kitchen boxes, and um, and that they are. It's uh, oh, I don't know. You sign up to it, and then every month you get a box. It has usually four to five products in it. And sometimes one of those old products that people loved and have written to us a lot about, because sometimes a product can just be, you know, not so high in sales maybe because it lasts a lot longer. Mm. Um, And they'll come into the boxes. So we're we're just trying to do lots of things to make it more exciting for people. So it's not just, uh, you know, same old, same old. So there's snow fairy boxes at the moment. So snow fairy's back out. That's why I've got pink hair. Snow fairy, uh, our our Christmas shower gel, but she's here in a shampoo bar, bubble bar, shower gel, wand. I mean, just lip scrub, glow sticks, anything because she's just so popular and she now has her own micro site. Um, (laughs) There's going to be snow fairy gifts coming out and merch. And yeah, so I mean, it's we're having more fun with Mm. things rather than just thinking along the line. So we're we're listening to what the customer wants. They want more fun. They want more show fairy. They want so we're we're building those things up and having more fun online because people are looking when you're stuck in and you you're not going out, you're doing a lot more online potentially. Mm-hmm. So yeah. we're we're trying to make online much more interesting. So if you went to YouTube, there's lots of buying videos where you can see how we buy our raw materials because I think that's probably quite unusual for most companies. I think most people in the cosmetic industry anyway, are buying from distributors because you can get all your raw mats from there. Whereas we're actually going to countries, we're building relationships, friendships with growers, with farmers, with producers, uh, and then bringing those raw materials home. So we know that we're paying um, a fair price most often more than they would get if they're doing it, selling into a distributor because obviously yeah. they're able to make their markup. Mm-hmm. so quite often it works like we're getting a better price and they're getting a better price so that's a lovely win-win and then we know the quality of our raw material that's then going into a product so the customer gets a win-win because we know that we're you know the quality that we're using so there's a lot of those stories online so we've upped all of those and put them because we had a lot sort of sitting there which probably hadn't been seen so you know if you're bored and you want to travel that's the way to travel you go in and you have a look at the aloe story or the cocoa butter story or the shea butter so you can 
travel around Africa, around the Amazon, you know, Lebanon, all sorts of places, and go and see where the raw materials come from and, and meet the people who are growing them for us and creating those beautiful ingredients. Mm. Have, you, have you missed travel yourself? Did you? Oh, did you yeah. Oh, I can't tell you. And then I've got two trips that I've put forward to next year. And then I had the letter on Saturday telling me that the company had gone under. Oh, and, yeah. you know, it's sort of like I can't be upset or cross with them. We lost cosmetics to go and we know how hard we fought to do that. And mm. so I sent a message in and I know that one of the guys that I normally deal with, Steve, um, was furloughed. And, and then another lady, Liz, who was in South Africa. So I just sent them a message with the hope that they might pick up something and just wish them well. And and I actually got a, an email back from from the owner of the business. Ah, uh, did you? Yeah. That was, that was really nice. And, yeah. you know, could just say to him, like, it's happened to us before, but, you know, you can rebuild it if if the passion and the will is still there mm. and then learn from the mistakes and then move forward. Because I don't know if anybody read the article in the Sunday Times from Trail Finders, but that was amazing. That You know, the guy there reckons he can go on for the next two years um, without without travel and the business will still survive. So, you know, no found mm. a way of, of, um, of working where yeah. you hand to mouth with the cash. And how's uh, when you, when you mentioned like some of those decisions that you you've, you've made as a as a business? Um, how has the decision making changed uh, given that you're not all meeting together? Was that easy to do? Has that kind of morphed into the new way of doing things for you guys? It is a new way of doing it. So we have what we call leadership meetings, and um, people get extra people come in from um, our group countries and uh, partner countries, but there's usually around thirty people in on that meeting not everybody gets to talk there is the same old same old voices um mm. but we're all there and we're listening and we and we know then the direction of the business and that has been invaluable we started that at the beginning of april and we've at first we were doing it five days a week because we really you just did not know from one minute to the next what was going to happen well you know how long was going to lock lockdown going to be and Mm. what did we need to prepare for and everything so and and looking at the finances of course that had to be looked at every single day it's sort of like what's happening what's you know how how are you going to survive really so for the first couple of months we were doing five days then we went no four days and then we went to every other week so four days every other week now um then we went now we've gone back to two days every week so yeah. we we change the meetings because they're exhausting. We change the meetings one so that we've got our energy, and two so that but we know that we've got enough grasp of the situation and enough meetings to make decisions that need to be made. Mm. So you've got to be adaptable. And you've got to be flexible because when we closed down in April or the end of March, beginning of April, everybody thought it was for a month, didn't they? Yeah. Nobody thought it was yeah. going to go on. I mean, I rebooked my March holiday for August because I figured oh, God, it'd be all done by then. Yeah, we, we pushed back August our events on. to the autumn. Yeah, yeah I know. August yeah, is now yeah. gone to next March, and in actual fact, the company's gone, so I'm not even sure if we're doing that one. So, it, you know, you just can't tell. So meetings are really important, that communication and sharing your worries so for anybody starting up their own business, for goodness sake, have really good team around you, the people you can share your worries with. Mm. Because the worst thing is feeling it's all on you 
because then you don't make the best decisions under pressure. So if you can share those worries and then have somebody challenge your thinking and then you discuss it over and over. I mean, it does get monotonous. And you do think, crikey, we're going to have to go this over again and again. Mm -hmm. But the more you go over something, the more you say it, the more ideas formulate in your head so that the decision you end up making is the right decision in the end. And they're not always easy decisions. We have had to lose people. We've had to make people redundant. And, and that has been the most awful part of this. You know, it's uncomfortable every, in lots of different areas. But the worst bit is having to lose people that we've worked with for so long. But we've had to do it. And, and in actual fact, from taking that really tough step, we're actually much more cash positive at this time this year than we were last year, even right. though we have lower sales. So it's um, it was a tough lesson to learn. But you, like you say, you, ha you had to do it. Exactly. Literally looked at the bottom line and seeing where you could um, yeah. trim. Well, when you look at it and you see that your, your um, staff costs are 45%, you, you know that that's an area that, can be sorted out yeah yeah and you and you had to and you did it and yeah. business is in a better position it is we're actually stronger now which seems odd doesn't it but we're actually stronger now than we were um this time last year mm. and how do you got a ridiculous number of questions coming through for you which i will um <laughs> have a quick look at in a minute so um appreciate people posting uh questions in and taking the time out of their day to, to join us uh, live here um yeah. So given all of that, when you now look at us recording this in the middle of a second lockdown in the UK and you're seeing other countries, I, thought I saw Austria at the weekend going into another lockdown as well. How do you forecast for like Christmas and, and New Year at, at this stage when you've got like that many retail shops that you with everything crossed? Yeah, yeah. You do. I mean, we just thought, OK, you could think, right pandemic, things closing down, um, don't make as much, don't forecast for so much. Or you can think, um, screw it, just do it. Right. And, um, and, and plan for the same year as you had last year, thinking that people are going to be desperate to have some kind of Christmas. Um, and just think, you know what, we don't want to let anybody down. So we're going to make it. And we're going to be here and we're going to try and get it to you in whatever way we can. And, and that's that's what we've done. So we've basically forecasted for the same sales as last year with the hope that right. we can make everything that people want. Yeah, yeah. No, it takes, it, it's a lot of it does take balls because, it, it you know, your natural instinct is to just think, oh, hold back, hold back. But you, you mm. can't. You've got to just go, do you know what? This could be your opportunity. And so many um, companies now, because they're importing things, they've got so much less on their shelves. Mm. They can't get it because stuff is stuck in yeah. customs somewhere. I mean, we, we get things stuck in customs. So you just think one of the things that we noticed going back out into the stores after the first lockdown was how little there was in some shops where things just aren't coming through at the moment. Right. So, you know, it was like, well, if you can't get what you would normally get, maybe you can get something from Lush. So, mm -hmm. you know, it almost sounds as though it sounds awful the way I'm going to say it, but it is sort of like you've got to capitalise on 
on what else isn't available somewhere else. But that's that's business, isn't it? And the, the thing is, although that might sound a bit, I don't know what that might sound like, but if you if you do sort of think, well, at least there's Lush and at least we're selling stuff, then, you know, when you buy from us, we're buying from those farmers and the producers in the countries where, you know, the purchase to them makes a huge amount of difference. So, you know, to us, it's just yeah. like, well, have I got another shower gel or a shampoo or da, da, da. For them, it's like, can I eat? Can mm. I go to school? Yeah, there's, it's much more real for them. So for us to be able to, to make something out of out the, the fact that there's nothing much in anybody else's shops is going to benefit mm. many more people along the way. Yeah, have you changed how you how you market the business? Because I know, you know, just personally, you know, walking down, for example, Bournemouth and seeing the difference, uh, you know, before lockdown in, in your shop compared to a lot of other shops in that there's an element of theatre to it, you know, entice people in and there seems like more staff in the shops who actually interact and engage with the customers. And that is a whole part of the buying process you know t- t- tapping into their knowledge um have you changed how you market the business um and also thinking of social media remember last year there was you know a big announcement with regards to your social media accounts and seeing a little bit online there in the last uh, couple of weeks so yeah. yeah interested to know your thoughts on that yeah we we have changed so there, there are less people on the shop floor um, because you've got to make room for customers and customers, you, you know, whereas before they wanted that interaction, they love to have a hand rub or they want to see, the, you know, whatever. You can't do that now. So yeah. um, you've got to have less people on the floor and, and you know, less sort of not really less interaction, but interacting in a different in a different way. So we're still there with all our information if anybody wants to ask anything, but there's less of us. Uh, so you don't feel like, oh, I'm just bouncing from one staff member to another. Yeah, we did go back on social media. And um, but under our own terms, I suppose, I don't know. Um, you know, it was always an experiment coming off. Yeah. Um, it, and did it make too much of a difference? I mean, I think we dropped about 6%. So, you know, yeah, a fair amount. But okay. customers have want, wanted us to be there. Mm-hmm. They want to hear from us and they want to see things and they want to be entertained. So it was like, well, you know, you've got to go back on. We, you can get all high and mighty about Zuckerberg and, you know, taxes. Yeah. And, and the algorithms. And, oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, you really can. Mm. you can just play them at their own game and just think well we're not going to buy any we're not going to pay you to do that and you know let you make money out of us but if you want to put a platform up there then we'll we'll join it because that's what our customers are asking us to do so and we are you know really however it sounds we are all about the customer and you know yeah so we were asked to go back on. So, yes, did we have to eat humble pie a bit? Yeah, but actually I'm really pleased. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. Well, I, I thought you kind of doing it on your own terms, like you say, because you're using like the hashtags more and saying this is where the conversations are taking place online yeah. and not feeling a slave to posting every day about, you know, that hamster wheel. Yeah, yeah. And people were missing the conversations. And so were we. You, you know, it's sort of like there's nothing worse when you can't have a conversation or communication with your customer because how do you get direction it's all about anybody starting up the business listen to your customers because they're the ones that are going to tell you what they want from you and how they want Mm -hmm. it and the customer is always right 
So, you know, be wherever you can to listen to them. Yeah, yeah. And um, talking about a little bit more about marketing, have you looked at or embraced influencer marketing and, and collaborations, that kind of thing? We, we looked at collabs. Um, we haven't actually plucked up the courage to do any yet. So but we have looked at them. Um, and so they're not out of the question. Um, it's just working out how it works with us. Um, and what was the other bit? Was yeah, I've got, got, got a question in from oh, right. um, founder of Braids Gang who says, if another brand or business influencer wanted to collaborate with Lush, how would we go about doing that or who should we get in contact with? So it is a good question. And we're yeah. on talking about um, moving on to that kind of thing. So, yeah. Um, yes. I, I, who should you contact? I don't know if I'm supposed to give anybody's um, sort of... Support at Lush. <laughs> probably. Um, or maybe they can um, send it to you and then I can have... I can give it to the right people at this end. I don't I, I don't know what all the, the correct thing to do about that is, but probably sitting here giving somebody's email address over a podcast is probably not what I'm supposed to do. Um, but by all means, you know, um, if they can give that to you and you can pass that forward to me, I can put them in touch with somebody. But bear in mind, we will put you through every um, – well, well, whenever we buy anything from somebody or we're using somebody, we have a very strict policy. We need to know all the tiers through as to where you're getting your thing from, mm-hmm. um, your ethics behind your business, what you're involved in, and whether that actually aligns with us. So, yeah, we're not the easiest people to do business with. Is what <laughs> I like it. Um, uh, this is a good question as well that's come in from from Jordan, uh, co- co-owner of uh, Buzzy Beautiful Wraps. When starting an eco-friendly solutions-based brand, would you start small with a small range of items or work towards bringing out a bigger collection at one time? Oh, I'd start small. Start small. See what people are enjoying. Again, you're listening to your customer um, and then add to it. I mean, that would be my way of doing it that way you're growing organically and you're not throwing all your money at something and then finding that three things didn't work and then that's cost you a lot of money and then you haven't got that money put into the other business that you're already starting to struggle so Mm. I would come out small and affordable see what the feedback is listen to the customer find out what they're wanting what they're enjoying it's surprising you, you know you can have something which you think is actually the best idea you've ever had and and everybody just goes mm. and it's yeah. like really but i thought this was really excellent so mm. um yeah small and grow it organic it's in the way isn't it yeah trying to get getting feedback and actually you know building a community of people and actually find out what they want for your next products yeah, because the other thing you can do, of course, is take investment. Um, but then you've got an investor in your business who probably wants, you know, they'll want shares of some form or another. Mm-hmm. And then as your business grows, my advice to you is is if they're not part of your team and they're not really uh, giving you anything back in other than the original investment they gave you, buy them out as soon as you can. Because... Mm-hmm as your business gets bigger and bigger and bigger, they get more and more expensive to buy out. And you, you're, as you get bigger, it doesn't necessarily mean that you have more money in the bank because you have many more expenses. So if you, you know, we, we bought our investor out really quite early on and, and that 
it made a huge difference because then you're in charge of your business. And then, but you know, if you were an erotic and body shop, she didn't. And, and that's fine. But when, you know, when Anita sold the business, he, he walked off with a shed, shed load of money and he yeah, never yeah. did anything other than give her a few thousand at the beginning. That's so right. yeah. I, I would learn from that and, mm. and say, you know, if you're going to take an investment, then get rid of them as early in, in the nicest possible way, but make it the best deal they've ever had. And then, and then, you know, move on and have the business to yourself. And is, is that with, with Lush, um, when you, you took that initial investment and you, you paid it off, you've never taken investment since? No. I didn't know that. Ah. So obviously you have your bank loan. Uh, yeah. But, you know, even then, I mean, ours is so modest. So, you know, it's 35 million. I think I'm probably allowed to say that. So, you know, when you look at other businesses, they take a billion, millions, lot bonds, all sorts of things. So we've never really gone down the line of having lots of um, of investment in there or or um, debt within the business. We always try and keep it very much. But then the way that we have our business, so we have the shareholders, we get a dividend, but most of the money coming back in goes into the yeah. business. We're not making all the profit and then sharing it between us. Mm. We're investing it back in to the business. And that's how we've always worked. But some of our partners run it in quite a different way. Yep. Where, you know, the money comes back out and it goes to them. So, and it's however you want to do it, but that's how we've run it. And and it's worked well for us because it means that we don't have big bank borrowings or, you know, cosmetics to go, we lost because of the bank. The bank pulled in on us. So mm. we, we, we could never build back out again. So the less dependency you have on a bank yeah longer you are when something like this happens mm. and yeah paul here from uh, mate in media says um you spoke about taking your time and uh, and about organic growth was that a planned decision and i'll probably add to that again with say six of you having a an active voice and then partners etc um has that always been the way? Have you planned that? Have you had different voices throughout that journey in the 25 years? I don't, I don't think we've planned it. We always listen to different voices. Um, I think it is just we did what we could cope with. Yeah. And yeah. that was that, you know, that was that was it. Because we don't want to we, you know, we've we're, we're quite happy to pull people into our group. We always have, because the more communication you have, the better. But um, yeah, I think it is just the way it's gone. We we didn't sort of, yeah, we've done what we could afford. We've stretched ourselves always a little bit. I mean, Oxford Street was a big stretch and a risk because you're putting all this money in and, and will it work? Does anybody want to come into three floors of Lush um, and on Oxford Street? Hmm. But it's sort of, yeah, you know, it's, it's just organic. I, it wasn't a, we'll, you know, if we'd stuck to our first plan, that was just to have shots within the M25. So yeah, we can make a plan, but then we can go completely off plan. Um, <laughs> uh, so, you know, we, we were going to just have shots within the M25 and that would have done us. But then we had people from Croatia coming in, people from Canada coming in, going, we want to take it to our country. Mm. And it's like, well, you have to understand, we don't know anything. We're really just learning about retail ourselves. Um, so you're, you're going to have to know about your country and about doing things there. And so slowly, you know, one country came on, then another country. And it, it sort of slowly built like that. But we used partners to grow the business mm. at the beginning. So they took all the 
the risk, as it were, in their country. And we supplied them the product which they loved and they thought they could sell and they have done. So, it, you know, it worked as a win-win. What a different story it would be if you'd stuck to the M25, eh? I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Um, and if you – interesting question. Given the landscape today, if you were to start a business today um, in the – I've just lost Rowena's connection. She's back on. There we go. The beauties of streaming. Um, if you started again today um, in your industry, for example, in the cosmetics industry, um, in the beauty industry, would you just look at an online model or would you – also look at uh, an in-store model as well. Um, in the beauty industry, I I think retail has an important place. Um, I think it's it's a difficult one, isn't it? I think you have to have both for us, yeah. but then that's because I'm more of a retailer than I am online person. Um, but I think, you know, if you could only have one or the other, you'd probably go for the internet now because – but, the, mm. but you, it's – hard for people to find you on the internet. Yeah. Especially like you say with, with, with social media and having to pay to play yeah, and you just it, see LinkedIn being very much like that at the moment, going the same way as Facebook and Instagram that you literally, otherwise 3% of the people who actually like you online get to see what you're posting about. Exactly. And, and I mean, your overheads are lower. So, you know, that's a great, that's a great point. Um, and you don't have to be open nine to five. You're open all the time. So there's plus and minuses. But for us, I mean, if you look at a country, then our our retail sales are higher than our um, online sales. But mm. the online sales support retail beautifully when there's a lockdown. And, and they support anyway because people find us on the high street or in the shopping mall. And then maybe they'll go and look for us online and see all the things that they didn't see. Or they'll find us online through a story or YouTube or something. And then they'll walk down the high street and see the shop and think, oh, that's that shop I was reading about. And they'll come in. So, I, I, you know, for me, hands in hands is, is really important. But I can see why people start their businesses just online now. Mm. Um. And a question from Scott Stockdale. What do you think is the best way for consumers to encourage companies to be more environmentally friendly if they currently don't seem to be? And I've got a couple of questions around the same thing, but that's the one that kind of frames it the best, I think. Um, write to them and let them know that, you know, you'd really like to buy their product. But so, you know, New Forest Ice Cream got several letters from me this year. Ah, did they know? Plastic push-ups in an ice cream. What, what's that all about, really? I wasn't quite uh, on the beach. Um, but, you know, write to them and let them know because that's how people, that's how companies know that their customers want change. Um, mm. And then you make a decision because it also it has to come down to your decision on what you deem is important. And so, you know, we'll have people that won't buy bottled shampoo because because they know that the recycling industry is not all that. So they'll always buy a shampoo bar and they make that decision. And right. it, it sort of it, it. I think it has to. And it's up to us as customers and consumers to make decisions to make change. 
as well. If, if we continue to buy all that cheap, nasty plastic junk from China, then people are mm. going to still make it. Yeah. And never think that you're on your own by not doing those things as well. Because the more people that say, do you know what? I'm not buying any more of that. I'm not, I'm not going to support this. I'm not going to support that. You know, you're one, but another one makes two. Another one, you know, a million, there's a million just ones. You can't see all the others, yeah, yeah. but it makes an effect. So, you know, don't feel that you're doing anything on your own. If you've decided you don't want it, then other people will also have decided that. The courage is to just go, do you know what? I don't want it. I can live without it and I will live without it. And then write to them, let them know and then move on. That's a great answer. Very good answer. Thank you. Um, and I know you're you know, really passionate about a number of things, including like conservation, sustainability. Um, if you could change one thing, what would it be? That people brought all their plastic packaging back into us so that yeah, we can okay. do something with it. You know, everything else I think is really lovely. I mean, you know, we, we've made the solid stuff against the packaged stuff. Um, stuff product beautiful product um and people like the one in a pot and and for many many instances the one in the pot is actually you know it's, it's more practical maybe or whatever so it's mm. like please take responsibility and bring it back so that you give the responsibility back to us you know the message which i'd like to say to people is like i'm renting you the pot bring it back in when you're finished yeah. with it you know we're, we're going to look at a refill system where a company will will clean them for us to that to the extent that they need to be cleaned but it's sort of it, it does rely on people doing the right thing and bringing them back in and at least we're going well look we've always taken them back we've taken them back for years but people don't use yeah. that so as consumers it's up to us to be conscious of what we're doing so the biggest thing i'd like is for people to please bring our packaging back into us mm. Nice, very good, like that one. Um, and do you think corporate social responsibility policy is essential for all businesses in, in this day and age, says Tony? Yes. Yeah. So it's a yeah, easy, easy answer think, to give. Yeah, yeah, think about it, put in what you what you can do and continually work on it. Because you know, we can all improve. Um, yeah, I think it is. It is really, it is really important, and I think that consumers are wanting to know more and more about it. I mean, we have our channel, wearelush.com, and on there you can read all our, our all our policies and the different things we have. Are they perfect? Are we perfect? No, but are we working towards making it better every year that we post up? Absolutely, we are. Yes. Yeah, and 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 leading on to that. Um, given that you've just celebrated 25 years and you, you have these policies in place, you've been doing it for a long time, whereas some people are only just, you know, making those changes. Do you, do you think about things like legacy yes. already oh. and what you kind of like leave, how you'd like to leave? Absolutely behind? we do because, you know, we're all getting older now as founders and, um, you know, one day, I'd like to retire and, and travel the world. So, which is not very environmental. But anyway, I've got an electric car now. So I'm trying to balance things out a bit. Um, and with this, yeah. I think it doesn't matter when you start, start. It, it's never too late to start anything would always be my message. It's always like it's better to start than never start and just go if only. Um, but we have, uh, we started this two years, three years ago, which is the EBT, which is the Employment Benefit Trust. 
where we donated shares from the shareholders. We donated shares and the, our staff now have 10% um, share ownership. Yes, um, I remember that. Yeah. Um, the shares when I leave will go straight into there because I don't have family that are working in the business to leave it to. So my shares will go to the staff because I think it's so important that one of the things that upset us most about body shop selling was that she sold to L'Oreal and the people who were renowned for their animal testing and the people that worked in body shop were so upset. Not all of them, I suppose, but you know, we, we heard from so many people upset. They felt like they'd been sold down the river. There was completely opposite views um, to them and why they worked at body shop. And they worked at body shop because they loved all the, you know, the ethics and everything. And then, yeah. She did this, you know, Anita, I don't want to speak ill of the dead, but it is, and, and, one right. of, and that taught us a lesson of like, we never, ever want whoever succeeds from us within, you know, the next generation that we're bringing up, they cannot do that to everybody that's worked within us, with, worked with us for years because of our ethics. We, you mm-hmm. know, the, the ethics to always say the same. So if ever there was a policy change to test on animals now, they can all go, no, we're definitely not. That's not why we work here. And it can put a halt to it. So there can't be, you know, they can't, we can't be sold out. The company can't be sold out. And yeah. and that to us, that's our legacy is like, we want to leave this company to you, for you when we're not here, that it can still continue to go on in strength. Mm, I've got an interesting chat afterwards actually with Anthony Fletcher, who, um, was a CEO of Grays when um, sold to Unilever back uh, back uh, earlier this year. So that that would be an interesting yeah. conversation. Um, here's that. So finishing up any minute now. So I've got a couple of questions. Bernadette asks a really good question from Inside Out Drinks. Who says, "Do you think you would have set up initially and made the journey that you've been on if you'd have been on your own?" No. No, it's all about the team. Honestly, I can't tell you enough. When the six of us got together, each one of us has got a complete different set of skills. And when you put all those skills together, it makes a company. Um, You know, I mean, obviously we have Mark Constantine and he is – he is the the big main boss and he's the one with the ideas and the vision – but he couldn't do it on his own. He he creates the team around him and and we all work together to make those visions come true. So you do need the, you know, the big brain, the one with the, the, the big passion. And then you find lots of passionate people with you with different skills, people that have got skills that are better than you. In the teams I run, I always have people that work in there that have got better skills than I have because then they just make it shine and I get all the glory. It's great. <laughs> no, you know, that, that is one thing that I, take from my old boss Richard Branson I worked for for yeah probably nearly 25 years before but whatever new business he was starting he just seemed to pluck somebody who was doing incredibly well at another company but also incentivize them you know by like you're saying you're giving your staff shares you do exactly the same with them and um, they would usually stay quite a long time in the business as well but you've got to love the work if you, you know, otherwise, yeah. you, why would you waste, you know, so much of your time of your life working for people that you don't like or, or doing something that you don't want to do? It's all about the passion. You've got to have the passion mm-hmm. for what you're doing. And then you've got to have a team that make it worthwhile. And then the, and then it just all flows. It's not doesn't make it easy, but it makes it easy. Yeah, because you're, you're passionate about what you're doing. 
I think that that was a really good point you made earlier, actually, about, you know, um, being able to to speak to someone. And I think of mm. so many people who, who are going to be watching this and then listening to this at a later date who are actually on their own. And it's, it's just like, you, you know, even if it's not somebody necessarily in your business, even if you don't employ someone, it, it's so yeah. key to actually speak to somebody who can actually give you some kind of an it opinion. Is. on. And I think that actually, you know what, you can always write to people and say, you know, I really admire what you do. Um, can I have a chat with you? And, and most yeah. people will go, yes, because they, they want to share with you because they want other people to succeed. Why not? Why, why don't we want everyone yeah. to succeed? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. hundred percent agree with you. Um, and look, just, just to finish up then we're coming up to the, the hour mark. And I know you've got a lot on your quickly, plate. Alex. I've literally gone like that. I know. I've literally got pages left of my own questions. <laughs> literally gone like that. I know. I've literally got a couple of minutes left. Insane. Um, yeah. So, what are you most excited about? I mean, so many people seem in a rush to <laughs> finish this year and start 2021. Um, what you've got so many things going on by the standard, but what are you most excited about yourself personally or business wise when you're looking ahead to um, being year? able to travel again? I, I, I yeah. really, I, really <laughs> I, I can't help it. I am the one of the, the six of us that just loves to travel. So, yeah, on a personal level, I I really want to travel again and for the business we're just looking forward to settling into the new normal and um and then moving forward and making everybody feel safe again because i think you know lots of people probably are still sort of thinking shit if it goes on for much longer are we going to have another wave of people talking to us and maybe having to lose people so i'm looking forward to it settling in and everybody to settle down and feel safe and secure again uh, and then and uh, moving forward Wonderful. And I'll just finish uh, with the words of Paola, um, who's watched many of the webinars that I've hosted since March, who says, I cannot put into words how much I love listening to Rowena today. Such a great, inspiring business story. Her values and commitment to making a difference. Uh, also, with regards to having a zero impact on nature and recycling plastic onward and upward. Rowena. Thank you. Uh, loads of thank yous coming in. Um, so, look. I really appreciate your time, really do. Uh, it means a lot to do that. So thank, thank you so much and um, keep doing thank what you're you. doing. And you. Um, and, and you. Without it. you doing that, then it doesn't help other people sort of getting information and ideas to starting. And it gives the leg up, isn't it? It's that little footy up. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, that's what we're trying to do is, you know, amplifying these kind of messages to those starting out or those in the in the early stages who are finding it tough going and probably never thought when they started a business in the last 12 months that they would have to uh, face so many hurdles. In, in it is year. all consuming, but if you've got the passion for what you're doing, somehow you get through it. Yeah. 100%. You, you clearly have, all of you. Um, and thank you again, Rowena, for your time today. So, like Rowena said, can't believe how quickly that hour went. Um, but we certainly covered some ground um, from making tough decisions. I mean, how difficult is that to make people redundant effectively? Um, but the fact that they've managed to turn that around and be in a better place now than they were pre-pandemic shows that how, however hard those decisions were, they were the right decisions to make for the business. And sometimes 
given that especially it is a 25 year old business, you have to continue to look long term, uh, to look at the business, to take the emotion out of it. And that might sound harsh, but in the same vein, they're still helping their staff, still making it a wonderful place to come and work, uh, giving shares to the staff in the business, giving extra benefits, which reminds me of working for Virgin uh, when I did, you know, having your birthday off from work, um, having better paternity and maternity and adoption benefits, things like that, I think make Lush a great business to work for. Um, I think this one resonate with a lot of you, uh, and I'll, I certainly get this myself, but having somebody to share with, if you're a sole founder, who do you share your concerns, your worries, your anxiety, your hopes, your dreams with? And that comes back to, you know, if you haven't got a co-founder, it comes back to having somebody, be that a mentor, be that reaching out. Um, I've had people reach out to me in the past, um, you know, for that. I now have, uh, you know, my inner circle with my podcasting where, you know, I get to work with people one-on-one and we get to share those hopes, fears, dreams, anxieties, help them make the right decisions for their business. Um, but look, there's got to be somebody out there for everybody. Somebody will always want to help people. Um, That's why a lot of us, myself included, got into mentoring in the first place when I started with Virgin Startup doing that um, for free. Um, Interesting, I thought that decision to go back onto social media after announcing that they were coming off social media, um, but doing it on their terms. I really like that. I like them admitting that maybe that wasn't the right decision. Um, but equally, they're refusing to pay to play, but they're playing them at their own game uh, and doing it on their terms. I really like that. I really like that. Um, but maybe, you know, the one thing that Rowena said that they don't do very well is celebrating successes and pride becoming before or fall. But for me, I do think you got to do that. And they, they sounded like they did that this year with a party in a box. Um, but you do, I'm a huge believer in, probably my worst enemy here as well, but celebrating success is taking the time out to do that before setting the next goal and moving on for that. I think, I think you have to do it. I really do. Um, and I love the legacy side of things as well. Um, a lot of people don't think about that. They can't see the wood for the trees are too deep in it, but maybe that comes with age. Maybe that comes with having had a business for 25 years and having been in that industry for 40 years. Uh, that you're able to think about legacy and leaving the business and the world in a better place than where you found it. I love that chat. Love chatting to Rowena. I've had the privilege of doing that twice now. Um, And as I said, I had pages of questions uh, left, but I I wanted to offer our audience the opportunity to to ask us some questions as well. And even then we didn't get through all of them as well. So um, I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. I really enjoyed it. If you'd like to learn how to launch and grow your own number one rated podcast like this with zero experience, zero knowledge, and zero tech skills, come and join me at ultimatepodcastmastery.com where I've just launched for a limited number of people a brand new podcast membership course. So you'll get access to my ultimate podcast mastery membership course. You'll get my digital workbook, 
my progress sheet, my launch checklist, and all of the nitty-gritty cheat sheets, templates, and scripts the Podpreneur way. You'll also get weekly live Q&A with me, exclusive WhatsApp group chat, and entry to my private Facebook group, as well as access to all my past interviews and trainings with special guests as well. This is available for a limited time for a limited number of people. So once it's gone, it's gone. But if you'd like to learn how to do exactly what I'm doing now, then I'll show you how. Head on over to ultimatepodcastmastery.com. If you found value in this free podcast, all I ask is that you tell somebody else about it. You don't have to leave a review or write a post on social tagging me in the screw it, just do it hashtag. But if you do, I promise to give you a shout out on a future episode and you have my eternal thanks. I'm at Alex Chisnell on LinkedIn, Twitter and Facebook, plus at Alexander Chisnell on Instagram. Alongside the Screw It Just Do It Facebook page, this houses the Screw It Just Do It community and has the most up-to-date information on all things Screw It Just Do It, including all of our live events. I love hearing from you if you either message me on LinkedIn or email alex at screwitjustdoit.org. I promise to reply. Just give me a little time. Thank you.